Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. That's it, Mun. You've got it. What? Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Tidy. Told you, they didn't notice a thing. Here, let's get to something, crybaby Bunton. For the last time, it's Oliver. <laughs> eh, it's not a bad work for a crybaby, this. Uh? And we're off to another world. Hey, wait. Wait for me. Yes, we are journeying back to the realm of the White Witch with Nino Cooney, with special guest this time, guest professor, Mr. Andrew Cogswell from Uppercut, their video editor. Welcome, Andrew. How are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you, man? Doing well, doing well. I'm looking forward to this remaster coming out. Oh, man, as soon as they announced this, I, mm, I was so excited because my PS3 broke not like right before I could finish this game. Ooh, um, the ending like, was I was at the too. very end, so. Oh, that super sucks. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited I, to be able to jump back in. Oh, I bet. I bet. I, I, I do still feel bad how this game got leaked in that whole crazy huge Bandai Namco pre-E3 leak that happened yeah. on their website. Yeah. This would have been huge. I mean. And then it got, it's just a bummer. It sucks because, like, I feel like. Nintendo has so many bombs they usually drop at their directs. Like, there's mm-hmm. always one, like, big, big news. And for a lot of people, this wouldn't have been it. But for me, this would have been it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it just sucks that, yeah, it got leaked. But, and it, it oh. sucks that, like, they did it to themselves because it was, like, on their website, you know? Yeah, like... It was it's an accidental like, post mess up. And... It wasn't like the Walmart Canada thing from two years ago, like... Or best or uh, Steam with Street yeah. Fighter. Or... Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Man, leaks suck. Yeah. But... Yeah. But... I'm just excited we get to play again. Oh, I know. It's gonna be good. You, which version are you getting? I haven't decided, because, like, you and I talked as yeah. we were prepping for this, like, do I want the updated stuff, or do I want the portability of the Switch? And the Switch is kind of coming, coming like my JRPG machine, mm-hmm. and so I kind of want to keep it that way. Um, but at the same time, like that, I play a lot of JRPG, so that means I'm really been neglecting my PS4 lately. So I, I wish I the want. Switch had like trophies or something, right? But at the same time, like JRPG trophies are usually so grindy to the point where it's like you beat the game and you got ten percent. It's like oh wow, okay. But I love having that. You know, what I'm really into is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stick with this game. I'm going to platinum it. Mm-hmm. And then I never do. But it's yep. always in the back of my mind that, you know, one day I'm going to go back and do that grinding. And I'm yeah. totally going to get that, that trophy or achievement, man. Like, it's going to happen. I know exa- 
that's I know exactly what you mean. Like that's how I was with Persona Four. Like I have the mm-hmm. rarest trophy in the game, on accident, <laughs> and then I accidentally deleted my save. Like my entire memory card was wiped on accident. Um, so I lost three playthroughs of that game, or like two and a half playthroughs. I was finishing my third playthrough, which would have got me the platinum. Ooh. And I was like 200 hours in. I was like, I can't do this again. Can't do it. No, I'm not going to do it. No, not worth it. Not going to so, do it. Yeah. But, but yes, to give our viewers, to put them back in the mindset of Nino Kuni and the White Witch, we're going back in the time machine and taking a look at when these games came out. Now, for those of you that might not know, Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch originally started as a Japanese exclusive Nintendo DS game with a subtitle that roughly translates into Nino Kuni Dominion of the Dark Chin. And that came out in Japan, like I said, exclusive, back in December 9th of 2010. We're almost like 20 years, or 10 years ago, almost a decade. Yeah, yeah. But then, about a year later, a completely remade, fleshed out HD version came out for the PlayStation 3 that we will be talking about today. Um, And that originally came out in Japan back in November 17th of 2011 and didn't come out overseas and get localized until 2013, uh, where we got in North America back in January 22nd of 2013, Australia in January 31st, and Europe February 1st. So, yeah, six years ago. It's crazy. This is is one of those games where, like, it shouldn't have come out in America. Like, it could have been easily one of those JRPGs that we just never saw. And I'm so glad it did. I'm so glad we got it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of games actually came out back in 2013. So we're going to go through some of them just to, like I said, put you listeners, your minds back uh, back when this was happening, when this came out. Grand Theft Auto Five came out for the first time. Which is wild. Which is crazy because it's still so, it's just a money maker. Oh my god. Last of Us came out. Yeah. Bioshock Infinite, Metal Gear Rising, Splinter Cell Blacklist. We started getting our the current gen consoles came out and we got Killzone Shadowfall. Uh shout out to the fact that I'm in a Japanese Sony PlayStation 4 commercial for this game that nice. you can find on YouTube. That's True. awesome. I got subtitled. That's awesome. That's the highlight. It's a great uh, conversation starter. <laughs> Pokemon X and Y came out. Sly Cooper Thieves in Time came out. I still love that. I think that's a criminally underrated it game. Is. Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds came out. Loved Fun it. Fact, first Zelda game I ever beat. Really? It's a yeah. good one. It's a good I've one. I beat two. That's one of them. Uh, oh. Well, <laughs> I'm not, well, now I'm curious. What's the other one? Breath of the Wild. Nice. I have not beaten Breath of the Wild. It's fine. Path of Exile came out. DMC Devil May Cry, the one with dark haired Dante, God, new boy, the, the rebooted DM, DMC came out. Yeah. The last super popular Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem Awakening, came out. Yep. I think Fire Emblem and Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch are just like paired. Like they have to come out with baller games the same year. That's fine with me. You know? Yeah. And the Ouya release. <laughs> Not a game, but that will. That still, I think, really tells you about the the time period that Nino Kuni came out. I I love that you put that on the list. Like I, I was reading through, I was like, okay, cool, great games, great games, great games. The ooh, yeah, I was like, ooh, I forgot that existed. Yeah. <laughs> so did a lot of people. Rip <laughs> ooh, yeah, man. Yeah. Ooh, 
They promised so much and delivered on so little. Yeah. But, Andrew, this we talked. We just talked briefly about when this game came out. When was your first experience with Nino Kuni? What What were you doing back in 2013 or whenever you first uh, ventured to contend with the White Witch? Um, I was still in college. I was working at a video game slash comic book store. And we, I remember me and one other coworker were the only two people that really played JRPGs. So we were both very excited to be able to play a JRPG. Uh, he had a PS3. I did not at the time. I would get one not long after uh, Last of Us came out. So later mm-hmm. that year. But I remember like almost buying Wrath of the White Witch just because I didn't know how many copies would be available. Because um, our store only got like four or five. Mm-hmm. And between the two of us, that's half the stock. So I almost picked it up, but I waited until I got my PS3. And luckily, it was still available. It was doing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was critically acclaimed. Uh, people well, that has really a greatest it. hits version. It does, which like I'm still like... The fact that we got the game is surprising, and the fact that it did so well is even more surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I was doing. I was working in a video game comic book store and in college. Nice. So, yeah. Very nice. Let's see. For me, 2013, I was out of college by this point, and I was working as a billing coordinator for a case management company that my friend's aunt owned. Nice. And I remember leaving work a little early and driving to the mall to pick up Nino Kuni because I was like super hyped for it. Like I was really excited for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming home, and this was like the first big game that I that I streamed over on my Twitch channel, my nice. personal Twitch channel. Um, I had gotten a capture card that year for Christmas. It was a big deal. I was super excited. So this was this was the big game that I that I streamed and. This was my my favorite game of the year uh, that it came out. I absolutely adore this game. It would, and uh, might be had such a good time. Too. Yeah, yeah. It just did so much interesting. It did so many interesting things, mixing the monster collection of Pokemon with more the yeah. turn based strategy of like a Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest. It was a really interesting melding that I, I think it was a really good first shot. I think it I, could be refined and tweaked a bit more, but I still had a really, really good time with it. I completely agree. Like I, One of the things that drew me into it um, before it came out was the fact that it was level five doing it. Mm-hmm. And I loved Dark Cloud. I loved... Um, they did Rogue Galaxy on the PS2. Oh, love uh, Rogue Galaxy. Yeah, That's a so, game that needs a fucking sequel. It, it does. I mean, I'm, I love that you can be it on the PS4 store. Like, yes. I bought it as soon as it came out. And Same. Uh, it's such a good game. Um, but, like, I was... So, I was intrigued because it was level 5. And I was just... I was... I wanted... I hadn't played JRPGs, really, in a while. Um, mm-hmm. On... Because I had an Xbox, so there wasn't a ton of options. It was like Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. That was pretty much it. Um, and I never cared for Lost Odyssey. Um, so really? I was re- Yeah, which is, I know, which I feel like I'm the only person because everyone seems to really, really like that game. But I just felt it was a little slow. Um, but yeah, I was really excited. You had Tales of Vesperia on 360. I did. I did play, I did play a lot of Tales of Vesperia. Yes, that is correct. Um, 
so yeah, I did play quite a bit of that. Um, yeah, but that, that was really. I mean, Final Fantasy thirteen, which I didn't care for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, my options were pretty limited. So I was excited that hey, not only is one of my favorite JRPG developers making a new game, it's done in the Ghibli style. It's got the Pokemon style combat. Like it just looks super cute and fun and fresh, mm-hmm. um, and inviting. And that's just what I wanted. I wanted to. I wanted to dive into a world. That's one of my favorite things about JRPGs, yeah. is being able to dive completely into a world. Um, oh, hands because they're, down. They're always so fantastical and like usually beautiful. So that's uh, that's my favorite part. It was fantastic, and you mentioned Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. The fact that they had such a hand in a lot of the a lot of this, yeah, was a huge selling point. I remember how big this game was in terms just for that fact because this mm-hmm. was we had gotten a few Ghibli films at this time. I I believe Spirited Away Spirited Away had been oh, out, sure. Sure, um, yeah. Princess Mononoke, all sorts of them. Uh, yep, Howl, Howl, uh, Nausicaa. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was quite it, yeah. He had already tra- or like they already dubbed a bunch over to English at this. Point. Yeah, so this so they had definitely gotten uh, a claim over here as well and had that name recognition over here, mm-hmm. which helped it. But the visuals just earlier tonight before uh, getting ready for this, I popped in my copy of Nino Kuni and mm-hmm. hopped on my PS3 and re-looked at it. Even the PS3 version looks fantastic still and that's such a credit to the art style and the the magic that level five and studio ghibli was able to to put into this game and i'm sorry to everyone if you pronounce it ghibli or ghibli yeah i know i'll probably be triggering some people i pronounce (laughs) it studio ghibli yeah so forgive me i kind of bounce back and forth depending on like how actively i'm thinking about it yeah um yeah, no, I mean, I think part of the credit to it looking so good is also just how late it was in the PS3's life cycle. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, The Last of Us came out five months after this, and that was mm-hmm. really the last first-party game for the PS3. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, like, the new generation came out later that year. So, I think just Gip, between Ghibli uh, Level 5 and just, like, the PS3 being a comfortable system to work on finally after so many years. Yeah. Uh, I think it really lends itself to being just such a beautiful game. Oh, um, no doubt. That said, like there, like as I was playing it, like there was definitely, I definitely had some problems with it. Um, like mm-hmm. you said earlier, like it felt like a really good first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when they announced Nino Kuni Two, uh, Revenant Kingdom, I was pumped because like, okay, yes, they're gonna refine this. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. And then it wasn't. Um, at least as far as i'm concerned so like i felt like nino kuni one will always be the game that could have been to me like Mm -hmm. the series that could have been um because like the the pokemon combat's fun and like the monster like the familiar aspect of it yeah the familiar aspect of it is really fun but the actual battle system where like you can't quite control what's happening yeah um, it's kind of just hey go go attack and you're familiar just kind of does whatever he wants for a little bit um and yeah it just there's some and stuff like that, the like, timer between like you hit attack and then he attacks mm. but then you have to wait for the timer like his cooldown yeah. for even normal attacks to be done and it's exactly it's like and it was trying to be it had the controls kind of of an action rpg akin to 
really Nino Kuni 2 or a Tales game, things like that, but mm-hmm. it had the cooldowns and everything. Yeah. In kind of that timer of a turn based. Mm-hmm. And it, it it didn't walk that th- that line well between the two and really pull off either of them really well. No, I still it enjoyed it and once you really got used to it swapping between familiars and throwing them out and having mm-hmm. them use their skills and swapping back out. Yeah. And then also controlling the human characters. I, I enjoyed it. I do enjoy the combat. It was a good first try. I wish yeah. they had really tried again and really nailed it with Nino Kuni 2. Instead of ditching it and going straight to the um, the action combat as- aspect of it. Yeah. But I mean, And correct me if I'm wrong, too. When in Nino Kuni 1, during the battles, you can't control Esther or Swain, can you? Because I feel like that was a big problem I had when, like, you're trying to catch a familiar or, like, control a familiar. No, I think you can swap which human you control. Could you? It's been a long time since I've played this game, um, which is another reason why I'm so excited for the remaster. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure you can swap between who you can control. Okay. I think it's like hitting L1 or R1 in combat or something. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'm crazy. Never mind. Oh, well. Or it could just be one of those features that they don't really explain to you too well, and you don't know it. <laughs> yeah, or even though it seems, like, pretty vital. Uh, yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't remember. I, th- I thought that was the case, but yeah, I could, I'm, you played it literally today, so I'm going to take your word for it. Well, I played it, I turned it on, walked around, checked my familiars, Yeah, little things like that, so I, I would hardly say I played it today. But okay, fair. I, I made sure my save was still there. We'll, yeah. we'll say that that's more accurate. One thing I did forget that I think really added to the charm of this game was all kind of the puns with all the familiar names. I absolutely loved all the designs for the creatures and uh, everything you could you could recruit. Oh yeah, um, I'm I'm not a pun person at mm-hmm. all, um, and it's weird because like sometimes they don't bother me as much and sometimes like i get like angry at puns i'm like that's really yeah and like i don't know where the line is and like what the difference is but it just (laughs) depends um but like i do remember the puns in nino kuni um being cute like fine you know but the Mm -hmm. designs yeah are all fantastic um and not even just with the familiars but like with all the with all the characters um like like the stuff that stands out to me is when you first go to Ding Dong Dell and meet the Cat King, mm-hmm. um, and then like fighting Dickory Doc when the Cat King goes missing, mm-hmm. um, like all those designs stand out to me. Yeah, um, even um, Shadar's design, like I remember very vividly. And yeah, like all the designs for everything in that game are just so well done. Um, and I think that also, like we talked about earlier, I think it makes it look better and is like make, gives it that timeless aspect. Yeah. So. They they really did nail the the art st- the aesthetic of the art style and the cel shadedness yeah. of the anime and and like just the fairy book aspect or like the fairy tale like storybook aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, and one of the reasons why we opened with the scene that we did was because to me or like I you asked me to pick that. Or pick a scene. And to mm-hmm. me, Nino Kuni does such a good job, like I mentioned earlier, about letting you dive into its world. Yeah. Um, and it feeling magical. Um, it is like a storybook. It's 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 
beautiful, it's whimsical, it's funny, it's at times scary, like heart wrenching. That yeah. opening. Oh god, the oh. opening is so sad. Um but like I wanted to pick that scene because you really are going to another world. Yeah. Um and they play off of that really well in gameplay too, which is something I always loved is like you don't just go to this magical world and come back at the end of the game. Like, oh, mission's done. Okay, back to our normal mm-hmm. lives. Like, you regularly come back to the real world to um, solve problems because the real world and the other world interact with each other. Um, it's like a parallel dimension. How they did that, I really liked. I loved it. I thought and that like, was such a brilliant way. And it really, touching on the opening and Oliver's loss and his dealing with grief and how the two worlds are connected and Mm -hmm. him having to kind of fix things in his own world. It's just like him dealing with everything going on. It was, I think so beautifully well done. Oh, oh my God. And handled the story in this game is touching and sad and uplifting and all manner of emotion is, is hurled at you. Oh yeah. Like, so this game came out early 2013, like January, 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, so at this point in my life, I had lost my dad just over two years earlier. Um, and if you haven't played Nino Cooney, like the game opens with Oliver's mom dying. Um, well, at least fairly early on, like it's not right away, but it's very early on. And like, it does such a good job. Cause like, I remember when I played that, like, I didn't feel like sad or like uncomfortable. Like, Hey, this strikes a chord with me. Like, I'm not real. I don't want to deal with this emotionally right now. Yeah. It, it felt, it felt like, hey, I get it, you know. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit too hard, to the point where I didn't want to keep going. But it hit hard enough to where I was like, I, I identify with this, like I can connect with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a testament to the writing in that, um, and just like it being child, like child friendly enough to make it so hey it's not like a gut punch like the beginning of the last of us is like Mm -hmm. it's not meant to break you down completely it's a hey this is part of life and like this happened uh what are we gonna do now and like oliver processes his emotions and how he feels with drippy throughout the adventure and like i like i said i think that's just really good writing and really Mm -hmm. well done um yeah so i that and that yeah, I just, I love the opening, as sad as it is. Um, and it does have so many moments, like, you're right, like, throughout the game where it's just, like, emotional and heart-wrenching. But at the same time, like, there's so many yeah. points where it's just, like, so happy and joyful. Mm-hmm. So. And the whole which, story with P. I loved, I loved P. Yeah. So okay. cute. And everything, and because there is a remaster, we'll try and avoid a lot of the big huge spoilers but yeah the because this is a game you you would not want spoiled no Um, no i would i mean like i mentioned oliver's mom dying really early on like that literally is with that's the opening that's the the crux of what starts this whole adventure yeah um and speaking of emotions like i love how they used emotions as a game mechanic too Um, yeah stealing they're like sharing people's hearts and solve yeah yeah like it was it was very kingdom heartsy um in a way like opening heart and like i don't think it was as in your face oh god no by kingdom hearts i I think it was a i think it was much more touching and i don't 
I, I don't my, think that Suki's agreeing with me. Apparently, <laughs> I don't think anything can be in, as in your face as Kingdom Hearts is. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, just like the whole like play on emotions and like hearts and stuff like that. Like I always thought. Like now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, that's very Kingdom Hearts esque. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you have to when somebody's like super sad, you have to figure out how to like you have to find somebody who's super happy and make them not sad anymore like you borrow emotions essentially from somebody who has a surplus of a good one yeah and you have to go between worlds to find that and it's just yeah just the way emotions play into that game as well as like just the emotional writing is just so so good mm-hmm. mm, i love this game <laughs> yeah it, uh, it is it's very even playing it now it's like it's one of those games and granted I won't be like really replaying it until the remaster comes out, but just thinking mm. back, it's one of those games that has a a story to it and message to it that's I feel pretty timeless that mm-hmm. it doesn't rely on tropes that could age out or become um antiquated almost. Yeah. It's something dealing with grief and pushing through and really trying to become better, I think, is it's, that one of those timeless struggles that I think everyone will have to deal with at some point Yeah, that will make it so this game will really survive the test of time and, I think, impress and make a whole new group of... a whole new generation of art, uh, role-playing game players fall in love with Oliver and, uh, and company yeah, come, I, come the re- remaster. I completely agree, and I think that's one of the things that lend it to feeling like a fairy tale. Um, yeah. In, like, a storybook, it's like a parable. Or, like, yeah, like a fable. Yeah, fable is what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a fable almost. Um, but, no, I, I remember Blessing from OK Beast the other day put out a, a Twitter poll, and he's like, hey, should I get Dragon Quest Eleven on Switch or Nino Kuni? And I haven't played Dragon Quest Eleven, but it's one I'm very interested in because I've heard it's great. But I was like... I've really got to preach Nino Cooney on this. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like it's one of those games that, like I kind of said earlier, it's accessible um, for a lot of people because it is, it's stylized more as a kid's game. I think it's just rated E. I don't even think it made it to T. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and, but like at the same time, like it, it has such a heartwarming and like story and characters that it, mm-hmm. It can it it can appeal to a lot of people. I'm really glad because I mean, PS3 wasn't nearly as popular as the Xbox 360 until really late in its life cycle. Because I, so I know a lot of people missed out on Nino Cooney completely. Yeah, especially and, with it coming out so close to the next generation. And... Exactly, and with I mean, our Bioshock was March of that year or April, so that was right after that. Um, and then Last of Us was three months after that. So you had a lot of other big triple. Mm-hmm. used to be triple a games right behind that um but now with the popular the crazy popularity of the switch and the ps4 now you've got a much bigger market for people to experience this game and i'm really excited to see people's reactions to this for the first time um yeah. especially if you mentioned when we were talking uh this past week about the game that they have the updated visuals for the PS4 version. Like, I can't imagine how good that game's gonna look. Oh, I know, 1080 and 60 or mm. 1080p with 60 frames per second. That's gonna yes, look please. so smooth. That that's gonna 
that's Ooh. yeah that's almost like selling me on getting it on ps4 mm-hmm. um yeah because yeah, mm, i'll figure it out because i really want to get dragon quest 11 on switch so yeah. we'll see hmm. it uh it's so good and i we keep beating the dead horse over and over just how good the story is and everything mm-hmm. but there's the characters i think are fantastic from their kind of motivations and um what they're trying to do and all the familiars you can do and drippy love him or hate him (laughs) what a what a crazy character and all the bosses and And the bosses are so cool like they're all so well designed like we said earlier like everything this game is so well designed um except the combat Combat, combat needed work but yeah like we said good first attempt need some tooling um yeah. but yeah like i remember because you don't get your first party member outside like aside mm-hmm. from your familiar for a while like you don't get esther for a few hours from what i remember like it takes a little yeah because you have to go through like ding dong dell yeah initially and everything and i think it's like the next town or something you get yeah it. Yeah, and so you you have to do that, and then, like, you don't learn how to get new familiars for a while, too. Like, they're just kind of given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it's got a... All things considered, it's got a pretty small cast of characters. Like, there's only three main party members, and then there's, like, the three rulers of the great cities, Shadar, the White Witch, and that's pretty and much like, it. And, like, her council. Or the- yeah, but they don't have like a ton of development. They're just kind yeah. of there, from what I remember. Um, so like, for having such a small cast, it like they're all great. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no eggs in there, which is really rare because like some JRPGs like they just have a really bad tendency to just either have filler characters yeah. or characters that are, like seem cooler than they actually are. Like you always have like the big tough bad guy who doesn't yeah. actually have any character he's just there to be big and tough yeah um, they they fill tropes more than they fill a, a real purpose yeah or have any sort of arc mm-hmm. um and i think nino kuni does a really good job of avoiding that um yeah from what i remember and i think so. that a lot of that will pro- probably came from studio ghibli and their input yeah and i think level five just does a really good job oh, the, of that in yeah general too. them too I, uh, I want to say, though, that Ghibli themselves handled a lot of the the actual story aspect of it. I'm trying they? to remember, but I feel like that's what I heard. Okay. Like, they dealt with a lot of the art, like, getting the art looking on point and doing stuff with the story. Interesting. Because I, I, as far as I knew, they had only done the art or helped with the art. But, I yeah, I didn't know. Um that they had touched the story at all but yeah i i mean this was six years ago so it's very possible i am completely making this up <laughs> no so, I, I totally understand um, uh, I'm, I'm like i'm skimming through the um the game or the wiki mm-hmm. okay yeah so it says all of the framework of the story was completed Prior to Ghibli's involvement with the game, they still took part in many decisions regarding some of the ideas, including the game's final scenes, which are great final scenes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, okay, yeah, so they did take part in it. Interesting. I had no idea. Um, 
because yeah, they did all the specifically like the anime cutscenes are mm-hmm. all Ghibli, um, completely. But yeah, so I mean that makes sense why the story is so good because Ghibli has always been known for having really strong characters and yeah. storytelling. So yeah, it makes sense that they played into that and helped out. Hmm. Cool. Learn something new every day. I was literally just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So do you remember any of your, um, the main familiars you used? God, I remember the first Or any personal favorites? I remember the first guy. um, Mighty? Yeah, Mighty. Um, Let me, I'm going to look at him really quick. Um, Because I remember really loving some of them, but like it's been six years. Mm -hmm. Um... So, I'm going to see if I can find, like, a list of them. Okay, yeah, here we go. Um, I, okay, so I really liked, I don't remember names on a lot of these. The banana-looking dude? Yes, I had uh, one of those. Because he looked ridiculous. I um, named my Nanners. That's a good name. Um, I named, I remember naming all mine absolutely ridiculous names. Um, and then the uh, the cat that had a sword. Yeah, Purloin or something. Purloin, I had one of those yeah. in my uh, my my crew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mighty was like, I think everyone's kind of go-to. Because um, not to jump the gun too far, but you mentioned, or you had me, like, tips and tricks and stuff like that. Um, this game is really difficult early on mm-hmm. to have the right items to metamorphosize your uh, familiars. Mm-hmm. Um, you run out of them very quickly or you don't find them very often until the end game. So you really have to like <laughs> evolve the ones you like um, mm-hmm. and only those for a long time. So Mighty was like, since he's your first one, he's by default usually your strongest. Mm-hmm. So I always just spent a lot of time with him. Also the monkey, the little lemur mm-hmm. guy. He was also my jam. Um, Real quick. But- Shout out to this game for having branching evolutions. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so one I completely good. forgot about. I did uh, too. And then I was like, wait, when I loaded it up, it's like, oh yeah, you had, especially I think it was the last evolution or maybe it was the second stage. You could start branching it off into more specialized uh, familiars. And I thought that was really, really Yeah, cool. you can. That's wild. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot. Um, but yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking through like a list of all of mm-hmm. them right now on, on IGN's wiki guide. And God, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like catching them was fun and uh, maybe a little difficult metamorphosizing them was definitely difficult Mm -hmm. um but they were always like it didn't have the same grind that pokemon does um and it didn't feel like hey catching them all and like type advantage were such a big part of it like Mm -hmm. pokemon was it was just kind of a hey like these familiars work better with these characters like you should yeah. probably do that. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, I got to make a party comp and I got to make sure all my bases are covered. Like, it wasn't anything really like that. Yeah. Um, it was more so. of getting a good balance of moves. Kind of in the same scheme of... I attribute it or link it more to, like, an MMO where you want, like, a tank kind of familiar, yeah. a f- 
DPS in a healer, like uh, the Holy Trinity, and yeah. not so much balancing elements like you would in Pokemon, where you have like mm-hmm. thirteen different elements you want to balance out. And... Yeah, and like so, there's three party members, and each one could have three familiars equipped at a time. So like you could find that balance very easily. Yeah, um, which was really nice because that's one of my things with. Pokemon. And really, then you would have four playable because you could also then control physically, actually control the human who would each have their own abilities yes. and skills and gear. Exactly. And stuff. So yeah, you're working with like twelve people at every given, any given time, and then like Drippy's off to the side, like occasionally helping. Yeah, throwing um, uh, throwing the orbs and powering you up occasionally mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, he would always throw me a gold orb at the very end of the battle. It's like, hey, dude, I don't need that. And, like, a gold orb lets you do your, like, ultimate attack or, like, special mm-hmm. attack or whatever. So, yeah, he was always super inconvenient when he threw me gold orbs. Like, I'm fine. I don't need this, and I can't carry it over to the next one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Drippy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, man... I forgot how much I, I I keep saying it, but I love this game. I'm so excited to go back. Me too. Um, especially because like I've been on such a JRPG kick lately, or just mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, or more of a just Japanese games in general. Like I played a lot of Final Fantasy 14 a few months ago, like a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, Fire Emblem, Dragon Quest Builders 2, and then like this comes out, and uh, Dragon Quest 11 comes out. It's like I am overwhelmed. Yeah. But I'm so excited. Like, I haven't really been on a kick like that in a while. It's been a lot of Overwatch and Western games. So it's, it's mm-hmm. nice to get back to where, like, I really started gaming with JRPGs. Yeah. So. And there's a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with remasters and yes, enhanced ports and everything mm-hmm. coming out. That seems to be all the rage. And I well, like, like you were saying before, I love them on Switch. Yeah, like I so good. Yeah, Final Fantasy VIII's like coming out on the Switch, and I have it on Vita and my computer, and I haven't touched it on either one. But I'm gonna buy it on Switch just because yeah. I know. I'll play I have it. a problem with Final Fantasy ports. It's like I have to buy them. Yeah, I mean, I also have a problem with Final Fantasy ports, and that is that the menus look like hot garbage, and they won't fix it. But hey, that's a different problem. Only on the ones that were mobile ports. I know, which is Final Fantasy IX, yeah. because they like had to rebuild that from the ground up, and that's my favorite game of all time, so I'm yeah. a little bitter about it. Yeah. But, yeah, that menu looks Mod like community, hopefully, though. You never know. Unless, I'm not going to mod my Switch. I don't have that kind of money in case I screw oh, it. Oh, I was thinking, like, <laughs> PC mods. Oh, but. no, yeah, yeah. We aren't the only ones that really love Nino Kuni, so we're going to go around the web and see what you guys and gals think about Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. First, we're going to start over on Reddit with Jekyll 17 from Reddit. Sorry if I butchered your name. They say, My now ex-fiancé and I played the game together and we were absolutely floored by the beginning. I didn't expect to feel that way while playing the game. I wish I could go back to that day. I know, it's so... That... That beginning. And, like... It reminds me of Up. How it just, like, wrecked me. Yeah, like, right away. Um, I kind of regret, like, talking about it earlier now. Because, like, I went into the game obviously not knowing that anything like that was going to happen. I remember also just being floored. Um... 
Yeah, so I kind of regret saying something now earlier, even though it is very early in the game, but eh, too late. Sorry, guys. Um, my bad. Um, but yeah, no, the beginning of that game is just so good, and the way Oliver reacts is perfect for like how mm -hmm. a child reacts to trauma. Um, and, and the how the town kind of comes together and tries to support yeah. Oliver as mm. he's going through everything, and yeah, and like yeah, God, oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want to like I don't want to get too just far play into, it, man. Yeah, just if, just play the freaking. If you guys game, are guys. listening to it and you have made it to this point, just play it. Yeah, just play the freaking game. Just it's so good. It's good. <sighs> Next up, we have new type dilemma, also from Reddit. And they say, the story was really touching, but later on the gameplay gets really stale and it takes too long to give you access to catch other spirits. Um, by spirits, I'm assuming they mean familiars. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's like, the, the combat I didn't take much offense to. Like, I liked it, but it does kind of get repetitive. It mm -hmm. does, it could certainly use a revamp yeah. or like a, a battle system 2.0 kind of thing. So I, I get where new type is coming from, but once oh, again, the story is great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the common like that was the common criticism when the game came out. Was just that the battle system isn't super, um, especially compared to like how good the rest of the game is. It's like not on the same level, and I, I agree. It takes way too long for you mm -hmm. to be able to get other familiars. Like you're using might forever. It feels like, yeah. and then like the few other spirits that are familiars that are given to you. Yeah, um, and it's just like holy crap because like you see all these enemies that are all f can all be familiars mm -hmm. and you just can't do anything with them <laughs> and it's like oh because like if you want to catch them off you want to do that mentality you now have to go back to the beginning of the game where they all these familiars live and you mm -hmm. can only find them there and it's like that's just dumb <laughs> um yeah. So it sucks for collectors. It does. It does. And I kind of get it just it's like one of the things you see a lot of character development and growth in this game. Like they really have the characters you start off with in the beginning of the game just from a, a personality and character wise is vastly different than where they end up at the end of the game, which I really, really appreciate oh, in RPGs sure. that they don't stay the same, that there is character growth there. So I understand it, how it's kind of like showing his growth as like a little wizard in training, or but it does take a bit too long before you can start really uh, filling out your reserves of familiars. God, his his whole wizard in training arc is so good because yeah, he is just such a kid and like a novice, like he knows nothing about the world and like magic. And Drippy does such a good job of being like, okay, let's like he's mm -hmm. not con Drippy's not super condescending about it. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, you don't know this? Like, in a lot of games or, like, movies and stuff. But he's like, okay, like, I get it. You don't live here. Like, let me show you. Yeah. Um, and, like, you literally start the game with a stick. And, like, that's your yeah. wand. <laughs> and, it, uh, God, that arc is so good of him, like, coming mm -hmm. into his own and just, like, becoming his own person. Yeah. Mm. Real quick shout-out to Nino Kuni, too, by the way, of the point where you get... Like the not flashbacks, but they recap the first game, and you like it's a stupid puzzle you have to do, but it's I appreciate that they they have that not. Wait, 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 hold up. When does that happen? Um, it's uh, 
do you remember when you're in like the puzzle room or whatever with those statues and you had to like have things yeah yeah that's retelling the story of nino kuni one holy shit i had no idea yeah all the characters and like the little statues and stuff you move it's all the characters of nino kuni one i had no idea yeah oh that's so cool Mm -hmm. I like that game just a little bit more now. But yeah, because I think. Again. Yeah. That was my favorite part of Nino Kuni 2 when they referenced back Nino Kuni 1, because I was really hoping they would do that somehow. Honestly, now it's my favorite part, and I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was happening when I played it. Yeah. <sighs> Super good. Yeah, that's, that's rad. I had no mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. Uh, Alright. Mm -hmm. uh, Excuse me. Yeah, man. we're jumping over to Twitter now with at failed man man. All I can remember is the familiar that I started the game. All I can remember is the familiar that I started the game with was the one that was with me at the very end. I loved him so much. Shout out to Mighty. Dude, I think it's it sucks because like I feel like most people were like that in mm -hmm. using Mighty the whole time just because you have to use him for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's the first one you can ever metamorphosize. Like you have, like he is yeah. the first one you have to. So like by default, it's like Pikachu. Yeah, you it's know? your Pokemon <laughs> starter. It's like you will, you just yeah. will have that that connection. Exactly. And so like I feel like everyone used Mighty all the way through. Mm -hmm. I, I like. I don't know. I, I don't know a ton of people who have played this game, but every single one of them that I know who have played this game always used Mighty the whole game. He was a baller, he's, man. He's rad. He's don't get me wrong. He's rad. But also, I feel like it like it's kind of by default at the same yeah. time. True. <laughs> I will say I've always wanted to go back and replay this game with no familiars. Like you just don't keep them Ooh. out in the active party and do like a human only run of this game. God, that that sounds like a lot. Be tough. Be tough. One day, maybe with the remaster. Maybe I'll do it with the But next up, we have personal friend and friend of Irrational Passions, the good uh, and incredibly talented at Pixel Brave, yeah. coming on Twitter to us. He loved exploring the fairy ground. Yes, this was like a really cool carnivalish area um, where the fairies lived and stuff. It was a really cool area. And also, we haven't touched on it, the backgrounds in this game. So gorgeous. Yep. So yep. gorgeous. Um, yeah, the... God. Yeah, every, uh, it's all hand-drawn stuff. Mm -hmm. And, God, it just looks so good. And, like, it's... It reminds me of old Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Um, which is always a good thing. So, yeah. No, I... Shout out, shout out to the hand-drawn backgrounds. You're right. You're 100% right. Um, what was the name of the casino? Oh. I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I'm going to really quick. Yeah. But the, um, the game you can play in the casino, uh, we, Jessica and I, it's called the Crypt Casino. Um, and there's a game you can play in it called Platoon. And it is a really good way to get money if you mm -hmm. know how to play and you can play it well. Um, Jessica and I discovered that with Platoon, uh, there is actually like a formula for it. 
Oh, really? If, like, if this card is in this position, that means this card is the right card. Or the card next to, or to the left of it is the right card. Huh. Like, there's an actual, like, it's almost like counting cards. Like, it, but it's built into the AI. Um, like, you know, if you can figure out where one card is, you know, like, the whole thing. Interesting. Uh, so, Je Jessica, when she played through, we played hours of Platoon. Uh, <laughs> to the point where, like, our roommate at the time, like, we were, we, we were, like, Jessica and I went grocery shopping, and we came home, and our roommate was in our room playing Nino Kuni 2 on Jessica's account, just playing Platoon for her. Uh, <laughs> and just earning her money, just because, like, it was fun, even though it was broken as hell. Uh-huh. And, yeah, we just, Jessica walked out of that, uh, the Crypt Casino with so much money. Because <laughs> uh, we just broke the game. Yeah. So, I wonder if they're going to fix that in the remaster, if they if they figured out You'll how have to make to the AI know. better. Yeah, I gotta learn how to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> Be like riding a bike, I bet. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Next up on Twitter, we have at DadBodPlays from at DadBod, or DadBodPlays. I think that's, oh, I can't remember their uh, their podcast they do. I think it's DadBodPlays. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll look real quick uh, while you read it. Yes, but he says, Watching a young boy cope with the death of his mother was hard, but written so masterfully. Watching that unfold was beautiful. Yeah, the podcast is, is Dad's Beards Nerds. That's it. Dad's Beards Nerds. Check them out. They yeah. do a lot of good stuff. And Dad Bod plays streams on Twitch. Uh, does a lot of good stuff, so check them out. But yes, mm -hmm. like he said, written masterfully, presented wonderfully. Yeah. We've, mm -hmm. we've said it over and over. So yeah. good. So this good. next and one is my favorite. Yeah. This is a, a personal friend that actually started watching me on Twitch when I was playing through this game. Nice. Uh, and I've stayed friends with him. At Surge on Twitter, all he says, in all caps, Mr. Trippy. Shout out to Mr. Trippy. Shout I, out so to Mr. Trippy. I went through about four different voices during our little scene reenactment mm -hmm. um, because I can't do a Cockney accent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Drippy has a Cockney accent uh, and also just kind of speaks in like other world slang at yeah. some points and man trippy is the best like there's a lot of games where they're like the companion character or, mm -hmm. like and almost like the mascot character sucks and it can be super annoying like for example um fee from skyward sword yeah sucks yeah um and, but like drippy doesn't do that he's like his he's his own character mm -hmm. um in a way that you don't see very often, which was so refreshing because you spend literally the entire game with him. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, shout out to Drippy. I think a lot of people would disagree with you that uh, he was a great character. I personally agree with you. I absolutely love Drippy. Um, I think he was one of those divisive aspects of the game, but shout out really? to Mr. Drippy. I think yeah. so. Shout out to I Drippy. I loved him. No, everybody else is wrong. Shout out to Drippy. True story, man. Fake news. <laughs> Everyone loved Drippy. Yeah. But I want to thank everyone that decided to send in and respond with their favorite memories of Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch. I al we always love hearing what you guys loved about the games we talk about. And it's, it's crazy how what, one thing I've noticed is they all usually share the same kind of th things. Like there's always uh, the soundtrack or the graphics or this or that. It's always there's always. A lot of the same. And like with this one, the story. The story, yeah. the story, the story. So thank you again. Really appreciate it.
Now, you've been listening to us talk for about 15 minutes now about this game and our experiences, and you've heard other people's experiences with this game, but and you're starting to wonder, hmm, this sounds like a good game I would love to play. Where can I get it? Well, you are in luck, because I'm going to tell you where and how much it will run you. Now, you can still get the PS3 version, both physically and digitally, for about 15 to 20 bucks, brand new. The Getting it brand new is still pretty easy. You can get it off Amazon. It's, it is the greatest hits edition with a different cover than the initial release. Um, the initial release will run you a bit pricier if you get it used, but it is still out there. If you want to be really baller and try and go for the uber expensive Wizards edition, which one day I swear I will get, that can <laughs> net you upwards of five to five to six hundred dollars uh, brand new. Wild. I wanted that edition with the wizard books so bad. Yeah, I remember um, when I was working at the video game store, we didn't get one in mm-hmm. because my my coworker wanted it because he collected collector's editions of mm-hmm. games. Like his whole top shelf of his closet, and he had like a walk-in closet was mm-hmm. all collector's editions of games, and he really wanted that one. We didn't get it, and we couldn't order it. Well, I think this was the game where Bandai Namco, like their online website or something took too many pre-orders so they just started canceling mm. them and there was a big shitstorm with it probably and yeah that was i just want the book the drippy plush is really sweet and everything but i just really mm. want that the physical version of the wizard's book the yeah, wizard's companion that you get that's fair i would want that as well yeah uh, the Japanese DS version you can still get, of course, will still be in Japanese, and that will net you between twenty and a hundred dollars, depending on if you want just the game or this game. Like came standard with the Wizard's Compendium over there, mm, interesting, um, which was pretty cool. The, the, the higher side hundred will get you a full, still sealed edition of the game with everything present, and then with the PS, the new PS4 Switch release. That will net you between forty and fifty dollars, brand new, physical, um, depending on where you get it and any deals that are going on. Currently, as of recording, Amazon is offering it with Amazon Prime for like forty-one bucks, um, but the retail price is fifty. Yeah. Um, digital, you can still get the PS3 version off the PSN for twenty dollars, uh, and the PS4 and Switch version digitally will go for fifty as well. Uh, the same as the retail price. For the physical edition. And now, let's say you do get yourself a nifty new copy or nifty used copy of Nino Kuni. What are some tips and advice that we can give you to make your adventure in the land of the White Witch a bit easier? Let's start with Andrew. What advice or tips would you give brand new players to the game? Um, the game can feel like a bit of a grind if you're trying to find the resources to metamorphosize your uh, familiars so just use your metamorphosis items wisely um, don't metamorphosize familiars you don't care about um, just because you have uh, the item for them because you may find one down the road that you like more and it requires the same item to metamorphosize so yeah just hang on to your stuff until like you're 100 percent sure like yeah i love this dude like this is my jam um yeah uh just be um, be aware of Drippy's balls when he throws them out. They're super helpful. <laughs> that, that's, I, 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 drippy no, balls. Yeah, drippy balls. Uh, Drippy's orbs. 
uh, when he throws them out, they are they do come in clutch when he throws them at the right time and not at the end of the goddamn battle. Um, yeah. For me, my advice is going to be with Oliver, because you can carry three, uh, each of the playable party members can carry three familiars with them at a time that they can actively switch through in battle. For Oliver, I highly recommend you really stick with the Holy Trinity of classes. For him, um, have a familiar that's good at healing, one that can soak up some damage, and one that can really dish out damage i think that's a very safe bet with the other characters in your party feel free to um specialize them a bit maybe have one or one of their familiars able to either be one one of the other roles but i think that'll be a safe bet for you uh, going forward because it is a very a high ai excuse me focused game with the other party members so you sometimes will have to kind of pick up for their slack. So you want to have that variety um, and those options open to you that you can directly take control of your familiars if you do need an emergency healing. You'll want a healer on board and a tank to soak up some hits and some DPS for when you really get when you get those uh, golden drippy balls um, <laughs> to let loose some some heavy damage. So those would be our tips and advice for you new players and we're coming towards the end but before we go we have to do my one of my personal favorite segments the monster of this week and this time we have proco grosso he's a cool looking pig tank it's one of the bosses that's yeah, a decent way into the game so You'll- i actually mistyped it it's porco grosso porco grosso there we go which is a play on a Studio Ghibli, Ghibli thing. Yeah. Yeah, Porco Rosso. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, no, you're good. Uh, you can fight him in the world of Atomnia. Um, he's a boss. His HP stands at a whopping 2,540. He's weak to storm the storm element and resists physical attacks. His attack is set at a 119, defense at 137. Magical attack values at 73 with magical defense at a 75. Evasion 72 with an accuracy of 111. After battle, you will be rewarded with a th- uh, 1130 experience, 1630 guilders, the money in this game. He drops the hog's cog and you can steal the tower toppler from it. So yeah. get on that. So real quick, one of the reasons why I ch- uh, picked uh, Porco Grosso yeah. is because one of my f- oldest friends is mm-hmm. an animator and his Ghibli is his favorite studio, uh, and Porco Rosso is his favorite movie of all time. Um, so this game always reminds me of him. Like, mm-hmm. even when it first came out, I was like, have you seen this? And he's like, dude, trust me, yes, I'm all about this. <laughs> and when I first ran into Porco Grosso, I remember taking a picture of him and sending it, like, look what's in the game, like, check it out. And he was so stoked. So, like, this boss always reminds me of one of my best friends. Um, just because, like, it's a pun or a play on words of yeah. his favorite movie of all time. So, what a good good so. story. It's always good to have, like, those connections and everything. Yeah. Well, everybody, that is going to do it for the RPG University class of Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. I want to big, extend a huge 
Thank you to you guest professor, Mr. Andrew Cogswell. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us and talking about this spectacle and splendor of a game with me. No, thank you for having me. It made me even more excited for the remaster than I already was, and it was nice to talk to somebody else who's played the game, because, like I said, it didn't seem like a lot of people I know played it. So Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic game. Look forward to the remaster. I would say at this point, just get the remastered version. Yeah. Um, Did we say when it's coming out? Um, it's coming out September twentieth. I want to say. Okay. Is that that's, it? I think I think that's right. I will uh, let me uh, let me look it up really quick. I believe uh, it's. Uh, um, the remastered version is coming on. God, where is it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't know where it's coming. Um. It's coming out in September. It will probably be out yeah. on store shelves and into the digital marketplace when this uh, episode goes live. So check it yeah. out. But in the meantime, Andrew, where can people find you online? What do you got going on right now? Um, so I work for Uppercut. Um, we focus on POC and LGBTQ content creators and games. I am the token hire as the only straight white dude. Um, and yeah, you can find us at Uppercut Crit. Uh, on Twitter and uppercutcrit.com. And then I'm personally on Twitter at CogsTheWell. So, yeah. There you go. Any good uh, articles or videos coming out of Uppercut soon we should be uh, aware of? Yeah, so uh, we're starting to roll out our video production a little bit more now that we've rebranded because we just rebranded. So we're going to be start doing a lot more stuff that I can't talk about yet. But it's coming. Um, but then, and like we do, uh, the other folks at Uppercut do all the podcasting. I'm uh, not on any of the podcasts, um, but they do new episodes like every other week. So yeah, that's cool. palling around. And then any indie mixtape is once a month. Perfect, perfect. Where can people find those podcasts? Like normal podcast services? Or yeah, yeah. iTunes. Uh, I don't know about Spotify, but iTunes, uh, Google Play, all the all all the normal stuff. Um, perfect. I I will have to check on Spotify. That's actually a really good question. Perfect. So. Be sure to give them a check out. They do some awesome stuff, so definitely give them a follow and look at their stuff. Subscribe to them on the podcast services. It will be fantastic. Yeah. For me, you can find me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. You can also find me occasionally taking over the Irrational Passions Twitch page at twitch.tv slash irrationalpassions. You can find us on Twitter at irrationalpod. And, of course, you can find all of our wonderful content from videos to reviews to guides to editorial and random topics all over at irrationalpassions.com. And you can find this podcast on podcast services such as Spotify, iTunes, um, Google Play, all that good stuff as well. If you'd liked it, be sure to give a subscription, click some stars, do what you got to do. Very much appreciate it. If you have a game that you would like to see us talk about, be sure to tweet at irrationalpod with the hashtag RPGU to give us an idea of what you would like to hear us talk about. Thanks again, everyone, for stopping in. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Class dismissed.